Thank you for joining in on today's podcast at The Gathering Church, a place of grace where people far from God experience life in Christ. To find out more information about our ministry, please go into the World Wide Web at www.thegatheringnj.org. Again, that's www.thegatheringnj.org. Sit back, relax, and listen in. Lord God, to hear your word that you have for your people today. Father, I pray, Lord, that I will decrease, Lord Jesus. And Father, when there is time for teaching, you will let me teach. And when there is time for preaching, you will let me preach. Father, I pray, oh God, that I will remove myself, Lord Jesus, and that you will use me, Lord God, as a vessel to convey your word to your people. In Jesus' name we pray. And let the church say, Amen. Come on, give Jesus praise. Give him a little bit more praise. Hallelujah. He is worthy. Amen. He is worthy. You may be seated. You may be seated. Amen. Before I go into the word, I want to take 30 seconds just to give thanks for a few things. Um, between October and November is very special for my family and I just because so much things happen during that short period of time. In October, in the October 8th, my son turned two, that little one there. So I give God thanks for that one. Last week, my daughter turned four. I give thanks for that one. And a couple of weeks ago, probably three weeks ago, the woman that I married who gave me all of these kids, both of us celebrated six years together. So, I am super happy about that. Amen. Six years going strong. Strong, strong, strong. Amen. We're keeping it good. I won't see anything else. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Well, one day this week, I was walking with my wife um, to the train station, similar to any other morning. Only this morning, we weren't running to catch the train. We were walking. When I realized all of a sudden, something was out of work. You see, for some reason, my wife was on the outside of the curb while I was on the inside. Now, this never happens with me. It just never happened. Immediately, I wrapped my arms around my wife and gently escorted her to the inside, and I walked on the outside. That's what this gentleman should do, right? Right. So we continued our walk down the station. Young men, listen up properly. 
Rewind to a couple of years ago, though. I was walking on campus, in my campus in Jamaica, and I was walking with a young lady. It could have been a classmate. I can't remember who it was. It could have been a classmate, a friend, one of my good, good friends. I have no idea who it was. But out of nowhere, I heard a raspy, coarse, elderly woman said this to me. She said, young man, don't you know that when you're walking with a young lady, she should be on the inside? I was just like, wow. Did she really just do that to me? I mean, she doesn't really know if I was trying to impress this girl, right? But she said, don't you know that a young woman should be on the inside? It was the first time in my life that someone was telling me that. And I have never, ever forgotten that. So today when I'm walking, if it's my wife, it's my daughter, even though she's four, any woman, she's always on the inside. Always on the inside. You see, I still hear that woman in my voice whenever I'm walking with a young lady saying a young lady should be on the inside. I have never, ever forgotten that message. I'm amazed how God sometimes use some random person without a name to do something spectacular or to speak a word in our lives that can have a lasting impact and in some cases change our lives forever. Today, during our time together, I want us to examine Jesus' encounter with an unnamed woman and see if there are any lessons that we can learn from this woman. And just how more than 10 years after leaving college, a little more than 10 years, I can still remember that woman despite not knowing her name. My prayer for all of us is at the end of our time together, you'll never forget some of the lessons learned from this woman that we're going to talk about today. If you turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 5, and from verse 25 through to 34, that's where the story is. We pick up the story in the book of Mark chapter 5, where Jesus had just returned to Galilee by boat after, after ministering in the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. The Bible says he was met by a large crowd. You see, Jesus was like the rock star of the day. Wherever Jesus went, there was going to be a large crowd. Among the people in the crowd, in verse 41, it says, within the crowd, there was a guy named Jairus, who was, who was a synagogue leader, and, for some, and he had a desperate situation. You see, he had a daughter, an only daughter, actually, who had fallen ill. The Bible says that she was about 12, and she was about to die. And she pleaded to Jesus and said, Jesus, will you come to my house and heal my daughter? He didn't say, Jesus, speak a word now and heal my daughter. He said, will you come to my house now and heal my daughter? Jesus accepted his request. And he decided to go with this, woman, with this man to his house to heal his daughter. It was on his way, though, that Jesus had an uncommon encounter. He had an interruption of his plans. He was interrupted by a woman, an unnamed woman who was in the crowd. The Bible says that the crowd almost crushed Jesus, but somehow a touch of the hem of Jesus' garment by this woman stopped Jesus in his tracks and caused him 
to ask a famous question. Who touched me? What can we learn from this woman? This woman that had this uncommon encounter with Jesus. What lessons are there to be learned from this woman? Let's learn a little bit more about her. In Mark 5.25 it says, She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors. And had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up and behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. The first thing we hear, we notice here, is that this woman had spent everything she had on doctors. Doctors are expensive now. They were expensive back then. So don't have any hope that even with this healthcare law, prices are going to go down, okay? Doctors are always expensive. The Bible says that she became poor trying to get well. She had tried everything that she could in order to get well. You see, waiting 12 years is a very, very long time. It's not one year, it's not two years, five years. This woman had an, this issue for 12 years. As a matter of fact, she was desperate because the Bible says that instead of getting better, she was getting worse. She was desperate for a breakthrough. As a matter of fact, not only was she desperate, she was also lonely. You see, in those days, because of the issue that she had, she was seen as an outcast by society. She was not going to be invited to any party. When people see her, they look at her funny. That funny look like, no, don't come near me. She was lonely. She was desperate because of the issue that she had. Does anybody in here know what it means to be lonely sometimes? To be an outsider because you are different for some reason? You can be lonely because sometimes your friends who you have been moving with for a long time find out that you're dealing with a matter that they think is just not supposed to happen. And as a result, sometimes they leave you. You can't be lonely also because you're too successful. It's lonely at the top. It's lonely at the top. Sometimes when you're at the top of the class, people will shun you. They will look at you and say, who does he or these things he is? When you climb the corporate ladder, people look at you and say, who does he think he is talking to me that way? Don't order me around. She was lonely. You see, sometimes we are also lonely because we have some issues dealing with that we cannot dare share with anybody. You see, because some, you can be in a crowd with people, but you can't share the very thing that is consuming you because it is so personal. And it makes you uncomfortable to speak to them. And as a result, you can't share anything, the thing that is consuming you. And so you are in a crowd, but you are lonely. You see, sometimes it is in those lonely, deserted, and hard places of life where there is no help in sight. When the ones that we are relying on the most have deserted us. The point when no help is coming. The point when the sky is dark, the thunder is rolling, lightning is flashing. 
the water is rising and it feels like you're going under. That's when touching Jesus is all that really matters. It's not popular to talk about suffering in churches anymore. It's not popular. Sometimes suffering leads to loneliness because it's hard. It's tough when you're going through suffering. No one likes to suffer. No one walks around and says, hey, I'm suffering. But guess what? We all have to go through suffering at some point. The Bible says in Psalm 30 and verse 5, it says what? You see, it's not if you're going to, you see, sorry, for his anger is but for a moment. His favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night. But guess what? Joy comes in the morning. Come on, tell your neighbor, joy comes in the morning. You see, it's not if you're going to suffer, my friends. It's what's going to be your posture while you are suffering. That's the question. What's going to be your posture while you're suffering? Are you going to give up on life? You can't do that. You have to maintain a posture of praise still. You have to maintain a posture of worship still. No matter what you're going through, you have to maintain a posture that, hey, someday it's going to be better. Amen? Amen. You see, let's go back to the story in verse 27. The Bible says, when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. She said, if I just touch his cloak, I will be healed. In other words, she encouraged herself. She said, if I could just touch his cloak, I will be healed. Sometimes when you're going through, you have to speak to yourself and say, self, if I could just touch him, there might be a breakthrough. Self, if I could just move over to the other side, there might be a breakthrough. Self, if I could only move over and touch Jesus, there might be deliverance somewhere out there. One important takeaway from this story is that we have to maintain hope while we are suffering. We have to maintain hope. Tell your neighbor, maintain hope. Maintain hope. You see, even though this woman had this illness for 12 years, she still had hope that someday, somehow, she was going to be healed. If she didn't have hope, then she wouldn't have done anything when she heard about Jesus. If she didn't have hope, she would not have done anything when she heard that Jesus was in town. But somehow she had that conviction, though, that the issue that she was dealing with was not permanent but temporary. I'm here to encourage you today that your issue is not permanent. It's just temporary. Come on, tell somebody, it's just temporary. Come on, it's just temporary. It's just temporary. I know you've been married to this joker for 5, 10, 15, 20 years. And he's not getting better. He's not getting better. I won't say she because my wife will kill me. <laughs> he's not getting better. He's getting worse. And sometimes, you know, you see those signs on the billboards, $5.99 for divorce. And your first response is probably I should just get a divorce. Don't do it. Continue while you suffer, but maintain hope that this joker is going to change. Amen? He's going to change. Trust me, he's going to change someday. You see, you may have kids and they're getting older. You expect them, you expect them to be 
acting more mature as they get older. But instead of getting more mature and responsible, they're acting crazier, crazier. Your teenage daughter is doing stuff that you're just like, oh my God, what's going on with her? It's like you need a special anointing to deal with them. But maintain hope while you suffer through that time. It's one of the scariest things I, I, I think about is when my, daughter, my kids turn teenagers. And I'm just like, oh my God. I'm not worried about the boy. It's the girl I'm worried about. Because she is so stubborn. But maintain hope while you suffer. You see, you may have a boss that you've been dealing with for years. And instead of them, you know, knowing you and knowing what you are capable of, all of a sudden, you know, there is this wall that is open. They are just like on your case every minute. Instead of getting better, they are getting worse. And you are suffering through it. But maintain hope while you suffer. That change is coming. It's not permanent. It's just a temporary thing. It's just a temporary thing, right? You're in school and you're studying for your exams and you've been putting in the hours. You've been putting in the hours and instead of getting A's, you're barely making C's. And you're just like, should I quit or not? And I'm telling you today, don't quit. Keep going. Maintain hope while you persevere through this. Maintain hope while you persevere. Maintain hope while you persevere. Sometimes you've got to prophesy to yourself. And tell yourself that what you're going through is not permanent. It's only temporary. Come on, tell somebody. Somebody who wants to hear that one. It's only temporary. This is not permanent. It's just temporary. Just temporary. Gatherers, we have to keep hope alive while we are suffering. We can't just give up on life. We can't just give up on the possibility that there will be a change in our circumstance. Rather like this woman, we've got to go and seek out Jesus. We've got to go and see the man who can make a difference in our lives. Sometimes it makes no sense to go to your friends, to your neighbors, to your pastor sometimes. I dare say your pastor. Rather, take them to Jesus in prayer. Take them to Jesus because he's the only one who can turn it around for you. He's the only one who has that suddenly effect, I call it, where suddenly your situation changed Suddenly you get a phone call and you get a job. Hey. Oh. Suddenly there's a change in your circumstance. Only Jesus can do that. Nobody else can do that but Jesus. He's the only one who can touch that man and instantly he changed. He's the only one who can touch your wife and say instantly she changes. And she becomes the most loving person you've ever met. Only Jesus can do that. Only Jesus can turn that girl's heart who you've been quoting forever. And she's like pushing you off, putting you off, putting you off. Only he can touch her and turn that heart towards you. So keep praying, brothers. Keep praying. In the name of Jesus. Keep praying. He'll turn it around. He'll turn her around. He'll turn her around. <laughs> Praise the Lord, brothers. Come on, come on. Come on, brothers. Help me out here. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. All right. We have some single men here. We have to praise the Lord for them. Amen.
The Bible says in Job 13 and 15, Though he slay me, yet will I hope in him. You heard what he said? Though he slay me. Slay me. Slay me. That there's no fun in slaying. No, though, though I'm down, yet will I trust him. Though the devil has me down with certain things, yet will I trust him. You got to trust him no matter what is going on. The psalmist David says in Psalm 17, 14, But as for me, I will always have hope. I will praise you more and more. We've got to maintain hope in Christ when we are suffering. He won't let us down. Not only did this woman maintain hope during her 12 years of suffering, she also had faith in Christ. Come on, tell somebody faith in Christ. She had faith in Christ. Only someone who had faith would get up out of her bed that morning, get dressed, and pushed through the crowd in order to touch Jesus. We all know that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Many of us, though, when everything is stripped away, only have faith in words. Only have faith in words. We use the cliche phrase, I am believing the Lord for this. I am believing the Lord for that. The question I have for you is, is your actions lining up with the words you profess? Is your actions lining up with the words you profess? You say you believe in the Lord for a wife. But when was the last time you brave up? So like you pride and said, sister, can we go and watch a movie? I have a friend on Facebook who I'm going to flip out on pretty soon. We went to college together, but he has always had this laid back attitude when it comes to finding a wife. I'm believing the Lord for a wife. And he's in his mid-30s now, and he's still posting on Facebook. Um, you know, it would be good to have a wife now. And I'm at the point where I'm going to flip out one day and say, hey, start with inviting somebody out. And stop posting that you need a wife. Go and find her. Chase her down. Pursue that woman if you want a wife. Come on. You've got to go and pursue. Sometimes it's not okay to just sit back and say, hey, I am believing the Lord for a wife. You've got to do something about it. It's called date her. Find her and date her. Chase her until she can run no more. That's what you do. That was on the side. That was on the side. I just had to get that one off. That was on the side. Sometimes you believe in the Lord for a new job, but have you updated your resume? You believe in the, who have you told that you're looking for a new job? You believe in the Lord for an A, but are you studying hard enough for an A? As a church, we are believing the Lord for a new building. There is one available up the road. What are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? Come on, it's faith time now. What are we going to do about it? We got to pursue it in the name of Jesus. We got to pursue it. When I was pre preparing for this, I was on the bus, and I'm telling you, when I started to write this piece, you know, I felt like the Lord was saying, the Holy Spirit was speaking to me and saying, hey, as a church, we've got to pray for the next three days and seek the Lord's face and see exactly what it is that he desires for us as a church as it relates to this building. And don't wait. Whatever he says, just go. Pursue, pursue, 
pursue. No more time to wait. No more time to just go in the name of Jesus. Go in faith. I believe, the, 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 I believe the Spirit of the Lord is asking his church this morning these two questions. How badly do you want it? How badly do you want it? And what are you going to do about it? How badly do you want it? I believe the Lord is saying to his people today that healing is available. Restoration is available. Blessings are available. Breakthroughs are available. But it is for those who want it badly. For those who want it badly. Not for those who are going to sit back and say, I'm believing God for. But for those who are going to pursue, push through, and touch Jesus. That's how you're going to get your breakthrough today. You've got to want it bad enough to push past the naysayers. You've got to push, want it bad enough to push past those who have been waiting in line for a breakthrough. You've got to want it bad enough to push through your comfort zone and step out into something that you've never, somewhere you've never been before. You've got to want it bad enough to do something extraordinary that you don't think in your lifetime you would have done. You've got to want it bad enough. If you want it bad enough and you get the action going, that's when the breakthrough takes place. How bad do you want it? And what are you going to do about it? This woman was desperate. And because she was desperate, she pushed through the crowd with one expectation. An expectation that if she touched Jesus, if she could just touch, not Jesus himself, the body. She didn't ask Jesus to anoint her or touch her on her head. She said, if I could just touch his cloak, just a piece of him, something that he's wearing, then she would be healed. She wanted it badly. And so she did something about it. She touched his cloak. What are you going to do about it today? The final lesson I want to highlight is that this woman touched Jesus with purpose. You see, there were many persons in the crowd bumping on Jesus. You see, he had performed miracles, cast out demons, healed the sick, turned water into wine. He was a great speaker, a great orator. So many persons were there bumped, bumping upon him. But you know what? They were only spectators. Only spectators. And it's funny because sometimes in church, we come to church and it's, we're spectators. We are spectators. But this woman who was there, this woman who was an outcast to many, she was there for one purpose, and that purpose was to touch him so that she could be healed. You see, she had an expectation going in there. That if she could just touch him, she would be healed. You see, this woman, you see, when this woman touched Jesus, she was saying in essence, you have something that I need, and I'm going to get it from you today. Hey, you, um, you have it. You have the power to heal me. You don't have to touch me yourself. You don't have to physically turn around and touch me. But if I just could just touch you, I know I'm going to be healed. Tell your neighbor, sometimes you just have to touch Jesus and receive your deliverance. Touch him and receive your deliverance. Touch him and take your deliverance. You may be asking yourself, well, how do I touch him 
You touch him when you pray to him. You touch him when you come to church and you worship him. You touch him when you praise him. You touch him sometimes in silent meditation. But you have to touch him somehow. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We've got to touch Jesus somehow. We've got to touch him. We've got to touch him with our worship. Touch him with our praise. Touch the very heart of Jesus. The problem some of us has is that when we come into his presence, we have no expectation. What are you expecting God? What are you expecting from God when you come into his house? On a Sunday morning. Are you just here because you are serving? Is that the only reason why you're in the house of the Lord? Are you here because it's a thing to do because you have signed up for this Christian thing? Is that why you come to church on a Sunday? Are you here to draw virtue from God with your praise and your worship? Are you here to draw virtue from God? To hear a word from him that will change your being from the inside out and make you the man, the woman that God desires for you to be. When you walk through these doors, we should have a spirit of expectancy, believing that God is about to do something great in our lives, something great in someone's life. Someone may be healed in here. Someone might get salvation in here. Someone, something great is going to happen when we walk into the presence of the Lord. That has to be our expectation. We've got to come believing that in his presence, he's going to break addictions. He's going to break chains. You know, that song that says, chains are falling. Chains should be falling for real. We shouldn't come up in here bound up and go back out bound up. That should not be the case. Because when we come into the presence of the Lord, there should be a change in our circumstances. There should be a change in our circumstance. When we come in here bound, we should go back out free in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Because there is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in his presence. So we've got to come with a spirit of expectancy. So when you walk in this house, any Sunday or any prayer, Thursday night for prayer, we should come with a, a spirit of expectancy. Believe me that the Lord is going to do amazing things. He's going to do above and beyond what we could ever ask or think. We shouldn't come, come in church every Sunday broke. We should, we should, we should be coming and expecting, Lord, it's time for you to fill my cup, Lord Jesus. Fill my households, my, my households, Lord Jesus. Father, help us not to be in lack. There should be an expectancy when you walk in this place. There has to be, as a child of God, there needs to be change. Because the Bible says that he's going to give us what? Life. And life more abundantly. In order for us to get life more abundantly, we've got to want it. Not just want it, say we want it, but purposely seek it. Purposely seek it. Purposely seek that life that Christ has in store for us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We've got to seek it. We've got to seek it. This woman believed and expected that by touching the hem of Jesus' garment, she would be healed. And when she touched him purposefully, she was healed instantly. She was healed suddenly, in other words. 
Hallelujah. Finally and in closing, I don't know what your issue is. I have no clue. I know what mine. I know mine for sure. I know some of my wives too, but not all. Just some. She keeps them to herself. It might be something physical, like that of this woman, where people can see what your issue is. People can see it and they, if they want to, they can shun you and they shun you sometimes. They shun you sometimes. They don't say it, but they look on you funny. You may be sick in your body and you may need healing. You may be lonely. Who knows? You could be married and be lonely too. You could be lonely. Feel like you're always alone. Friends may have deserted you for whatever reason. It may be emotional. You may be hurting from past relationships, past abuse. That may be your issue today. I have no idea. It might be some habit that you have that you just can't shake. Nobody knows what the habit is, but you know. You know that you have this habit that, oh my God, you just want to get rid of it. You're so sick of taking it to Jesus. To the point where you have stopped taking it to him. But it's an issue. And you know that it is there. You might have taken it to counselors, to doctors, to friends, to pastors, to ministers. But you still can't shake it. I believe that Jesus is the only one who can fix your issue. We have to take our issues to Jesus in prayer. I believe we all have to be like my two-year-old son, William. Who is there? Who whenever... He's at a point where he's doing something and he can't do it by himself. He does this. Help, daddy, help. Help, daddy, help. I believe that we have to maintain that posture today where when we realize we can't do it by ourselves, we say, help Jesus. Help me, Lord, because you're the only one who can take this issue away. We have to take our issues to Jesus. And like this woman, we have to believe that he will fix our issues. He will help us. So, like this unnamed woman, I don't know her name. If you're desperate and you need Jesus to fix your issues. You know, it could be fixing your marriage. It may look good on the outside, but you know inside it's like not that great. Could be your finances. It could be fixing your home. It could be fixing your bad habits. If that's only only you know what it is you need fixing. Can you just stand to your feet? As we get ready to pray. And if you're standing at if you have something to get fixed. Oh, okay. I was going to say come to the altar, but it seems like everybody's standing. Um, but still come to the altar. Let's move to the altar. Um, let's come to the altar.
And I want us to know that our God is greater. And I want Pastor Edgar to let us sing that song again. That no matter what it is that you are going through or what your issue is, because only you know what it is, our God is still stronger than it. And if you will just touch him with your worship or touch him with your praise today, if you would just forget about everything else and just touch him and say, Jesus, like you healed that woman when she touched you, let my worship, my praise touch you and take this issue away. Let that be your prayer today. That's all God is greater. Can we just sing this song with purpose now? With purpose. person to your left as we as we pray together and while I'm praying I want you also to be praying to the Lord and put to him put before him your issue your issue that you need to get rid of today um, father we just thank you Lord Jesus for your word yes Lord we thank you that you spoke to our hearts, Lord Jesus. And you convicted us, Lord, to respond to you today. So now, Father, we pray 
that you will touch every single one of us, Lord Jesus. Touch our issue, Lord Jesus. We pray for healing when healing is, need, healing is needed. We pray for restoration, Lord, where restoration need, is needed, Lord Jesus. We pray, oh God, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus, that nobody in here, Lord Jesus, will never be the same again, will never be the same. That there will be change, Lord Jesus. That everybody here, Lord God, will purposely touch you, Lord Jesus, going forward. That when we walk into this building, Lord God, we will come in here, Lord Jesus, with an expectancy that something is about to happen. That our God is going to do something greater. And that our God is going to be, do something that is absolutely beyond our mind. So, Father, we pray, heal every single one of us at the point of our hurt, at the point of our need, Lord Jesus. Touch every single one of us, Lord. And we pray, oh God, that as, when you, just as you touch that woman, Lord God, that we have the suddenly effect. We will have the suddenly effect, Lord Jesus, where suddenly there is a change in our circumstance. So, Father, we just thank you for your word. And we thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for all of us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Let the church say, Amen. Amen. Come on, give Jesus praise. Hallelujah. Give Jesus praise, everybody.